in the right place. We believe in you. We are the Suicide Prevention Show, where we believe that suicide prevention can be seriously fun. And to continue on this journey, that fact that, yes, we have serious things in our life and there is a path out, I am super happy to introduce you to Lay Richardson. We are going to go on a journey from trauma to triumph. And I know I think it's pronounced Lee, and I'm sorry. So we'll get this correct pronunciation and we're going to go on this journey. So everybody help me welcome to the show. Miss Richardson. There we go. Actually, hmm, we're going to talk about titles too. So there a great Chuck. Uh-oh, I heard a voice, but I do not see a video. It will not let me start my video. Ah, there we go. Try again. There we go. Mentioned. There we are. <laughs> How are great you? Great job. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am well. Okay, C fix my pronunciation of your first name. It's just Lee. Just Lee. There we go. Okay. All right. Cool. So, doctor? No. Okay. I am, um, I run this, my business, the Brain Performance Center under the license of a counselor. I'm a neurotherapist, a psychotherapist as well. Got it. All right. So that's, you know, the, the, the language around titles can be really tricky for me. And so I'm delighted to clear that up. So that was a lot of ologists in there. Yeah. <laughs> the Brain Performance Center. What is the story behind that? Just the short version of that. And then we'll get into how this flows and the, the track we're going to take people on. We're going to lay down a trail from trauma to triumph for them. All right. Well, and I will make this a short version, but the story behind the Brain Performance Center certainly touches my heart. It starts with one of my children that was, when he was in second grade, he got hit by a car. When he got to fifth grade, he came to me and he said, mom, I have ADHD. And I said, that's not possible. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't think, how can you have something that I don't know about? But I said, he said, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And I went to the school and I talked to the counselor. And then I said, I think my son has ADHD. And she said, oh, your kid doesn't have ADHD. He's never failed anything. He's never been a behavior problem. He's lazy. And I said, okay, but he need, he's asked me for help. What can I do? And she said, give him Ritalin. And my response was, why would I give my kids speed if there's nothing wrong with him? So in, in my quest to find a solution to help him, I found neurofeedback. Uh, he went through it. I went through it. I've been in ICU twice with brain injury. And after the first time, I had lost my sense of smell. And after doing the neurofeedback, I got my sense of smell back. And I just, it was a, a life-changing moment for me. So I decided then that the neurologist that I was doing treatment with, that I would go up to UNT, do my didactic training, do my internship with him. And I got board certified in 2005. So it is, you know, it did start with trauma because nothing for a mom is scarier than for your kid to come and say, you have to help me, you know? And when he told me this, he was going into fifth grade. And I said, you know what? Cause I have twin boys and they are both very smart. 
this one is very street smart, very observant. The other one's very book smart. And I said, you know, you don't have to make all A's. But what really scared me was I noticed that his self-confidence was really, was really hit hard. And my response to that was, you know, at first it was, well, you know, fifth grade's a hard year. But when I saw what it was doing to his self-confidence, like, oh, no, 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 no. We got to fix this. Because that is where, you know, that's where you lose that confidence. You have a lot of self-doubt. You get all that negative talk going, those little ants, those automatic negative thoughts, so fast and furious. And I said, no, we're not going to go there. And in 2009, the Brain Performance Center was started. So, so it was all about helping your son. That's, well, that's what got me interested. And then when I saw the changes that it made in him, and then when I got my sense of smell back, and, you know, when I lost my sense of smell, my kids were like two. And when they, they told me, when I got out of the ICU, they said, you have lost your sense of smell as a result of your head injury. And I was like, okay. I mean, as long as I can see, I can hear. Who cares about smell? Do you know there's more emotional memory associated with smell? And you got to smell something before you can taste it. But at the time, you know, I was fine with that. But it was the things that they didn't tell me as a result of the head injury. And I realized once I started doing the neural feedback, it's like, you know, I used to read all the time. And when I I quit reading after I after the accident, but I just thought, you know, I had just finished an MBA. I was working with Exxon. I was wrapping up a, a human resource kind of role there, and I thought with two twins that are young who has time to read anyway what difference does it make but as soon as I got my the neural feedback and I, I got my I picked up books for a long time Jackie I read nothing but people magazine and there's nothing wrong with people magazine but it was written at a first grade level I could read it I could understand it and that's what helped me understand you know how important everything you do you don't do how well you do it it's all about what's going on in the brain mm-hmm. all what's going on in the brain we really underestimate just the power of this cpu mm-hmm. and impact everything so your son was in an accident when he was in second grade right right what was your brain injury well, mine was before that. I don't. I wish I had a good sexy story, but I don't. I fell down a flight of stairs. Um, it was a July Fourth party, and I had on new little shoes. And this was in the Northeast with basements, and I was helping clear dishes from the pick roast, going up and down stairs, and just slipped. Woke up in the ICU, and my husband was sitting there, and he looked at me, and he said, "Do you know where you are?" And I said, "No." He said, do you know what happened? No. Are you going to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> but but it, was, it was really impactful to, to understand that. I mean, you, you think your sense of smell is nothing, and then you lose it. Mm. And, I, and I feel I've worked with a lot of people that have had much more severe brain trauma than I've had. Um, and brain injury, but it's, 
all it does, whether you hit your head, I mean, whether you just stand up too quick and hit your head on the cabinet behind you, or you fall down a flight of stairs, it puts that brain into a dysregulated state. And when that brain is dysregulated, you're not making good decisions. Uh, you can't. I mean, you got to think about the brain. The left side of the brain, that's where logic lives. That's where you plan things, you organize things, you make things happen. The right side of the brain, that this is a true fact. The right side of the brain, two-thirds of the cells are scanning. They're looking for danger all the time because the brain's job is to keep us alive and to keep us safe. So when you have a trauma, the left side can't do its job. The right side can't calm the brain down. You got the amygdala, the emotional center that gets put into control. And you're going back to those decisions that maybe you made when you were 13 and they weren't good then. And they're even worse now. Oh yeah, you take away the ability of the neocortex to process things with language and logic, then you're going to go back to the meanings you assigned at a time you don't even remember, and that's going to be your operating system. So I hadn't thought about it quite that much with brain injury and brain trauma, that that would pull people back to those earlier decisions, even if they think they've worked their way out of them as an adult. Oh, absolutely. And you know, this happened at a good friend's pig roast. But you say pig roast to me, I'm good. I don't need it, you know? And that's that implicit memory. I remember the smell that was that night. And I remember the, what I heard. And I remember what I felt. And I remember what I tasted. And all of that is associated with that, with that trauma. And that was, tra it was trauma. Yeah. So, so now the pig roast and the, um, hospital bed are connected exactly yeah. and so we yeah we, we 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 get to discuss that this is what is classically known as post-traumatic stress that the memories get hooked together and then they can stay hooked together until something comes along that allows you to make them separate again it's a real powerful, it's a very powerful analogy to help everyone understand that one thing in your life is usually not kept as one thing. It gets attached to other things. And sometimes those associations are really beautiful and wonderful. Like I succeeded at learning how to walk, I'll succeed at learning how to ride a bike. You know, we can make positive associations. But the ones we remember and that are the most powerful are the survival ones, which are the negative ones. Those are the ones designed to help us survive. So shifting from survival to thrival, from, from survive to thrive, you know, Lee, what's the journey? What's that like? Because biofeedback is one way, but most of us don't have that kind of uh, equipment or support in our homes. No. And, you know, there are things that you can do. And I just, I did a video. Um, it's, it's as a guest for this show. It's how to get what you want. Woo. And that's with visualization. I mean, Oprah Winfrey said it. She said, anything that you can imagine, you can create. And that's kind of, we all actually, and I think I, I heard one of the, the guests say the same thing. Who's in control? You are. There's only one person 
that no matter whether you use neurofeedback, neuromodulation, cognitive behavioral therapy, and I use it all, and you, you do make good change, but then that, that you have to pick up the ball and you've got to carry it forward. So I, I have found a lot of times creating a vision board helps me. In 2000, uh, October 2019, tornado came through town. I was on the wrong side of the street, completely destroyed my office. Everything in it was destroyed. Then, and I was very blessed, I had um, Evie Holiday came to me and they'd been my, my real estate agent and a few transactions. And they said, we have an office. You can use the office here. We have a front desk. You can use our front desk. And I was there for five weeks while I put myself back together again. And then when, you know, and my mantra from that was, I'll come back bigger and better and stronger. And then when COVID-19 came through and shut me down for five weeks, I just, the first words out of my mouth, I'll come back bigger and better and stronger. And I learned during that five weeks of being shut down, because I have to be honest, I was depressed. I was overwhelmed. I was dealing with the uncertainty the way everybody else in the world was. I was focusing on the negative events that were going on. And I decided during this time, you know, I'm going to stop it. Stop that. <laughs> I'm going to take a class in resilience. And it was a, a master mind class in resilience. And that, of course, you know, honestly, Jackie, I believe people need three things. One, they need something to do. Two, they need something to love. And three, they need something to look forward to. And so all of a sudden, I had something to do. I had my resilience class. And I'm, I'm very blessed with my family and my, my pet family, too. I always have something to love. But, and I had something to look forward to because wait till I finish and I can apply this in my business. So we're all... We think that we are resilient. When everything's going good for me, I can rock that whole resilience thing. But when things aren't going well, it's hard. It, it's, it's really hard. And sometimes I'll use a visualization board. A lot of business leaders do. You know, I just, what gives me joy? What, what appeals to me? What do I visualize in myself? And that's something that, you know, it's so easy to do. Going through magazines, and of course, magazines are kind of dated, but you can print you can print things off, images off your computer. And the, the beauty of that is that it once you people will say, Lee, that sounds kind of silly. Well, no, there's brain science behind that. The brain thinks that the images are more important than the written word. The more you look at those images, the more imprinted they get in your brain, the more important they get. So there is brain science behind it. And I think that that allows you to keep focus on the future. And it keeps it right in the top of your mind. If you look at that vision board every morning, that's what I want. That's where, that's where I need to be. Because we, you know, you mentioned the negative thoughts. And the brain tends, this is a true fact. 
every day we have three times more positive events in our day than we do negative. But what do we remember? The negative. You know, this is interesting because we have three times more positive events and yet we have habitually way more negative thoughts. Always. If we're having a positive event, our natural negative bias of our brain and our habitual patterns of thinking tend towards the negative. And the shift, this ability to focus your attention on what you want rather than what you don't want. For visual people, a vision board can be a life-saving gift, literally a life-saving gift. So if you haven't experienced one or experimented with one, I highly recommend people give it a shot. So that's a wonderful idea. You know, and it's the simplest things. It is. And you can have so much fun. I've almost got my 2021 finished. And I have had so much fun just looking at things and going, yeah, oh, oh, I'm attracted to that. And then I'll start asking myself, well, why? You know, I'm like, oh, who cares? Just, just keep going. Keep picking out what you're attracted to. Because, you know, when we're looking for positive we all want something grand, this grand event, and you're not going to get it. It's the little things in life that will make you so that will you'll get that. Oh my gosh, it was so nice. She sent me the <laughs> nicest email. You know, um, I love it because John Gray was explaining this when he did the talk on uh, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and he explained it in a way that I'm going to use uh, because. The big things, even if they do happen, they don't count more than the small things. It's one point. And John Gray was like, a man goes all out, buys wine and candy and chocolates and sets up this perfect romantic dinner. And he's thinking he's going to really tip the scorecard in his favor. And the woman assigns it one point. It's the exact same amount of points that she gives it when he takes out the trash. One point. Yeah. And, and so the guys feel like they're a little bit, yeah, their math is a little skewed here. And I think it's the same with these visual images. The big, hairy, scary, positive, powerful event or the mansion or the sports car, your brain gives that one point in positivity the same as it does for the little things. My vision board that I really love, and I'm not a highly visual person, but I found one image that just spoke volumes to me. And it's a lady in a recliner with a blanket and a cup of something warm to drink and a remote control. And she is obviously very relaxed. And I am one of those people that is on go most of the time and, or I'm asleep. Yeah, I either have go or stop. And so this one image of this concept of actually relaxing, she wasn't reading, you know, she was just, you know, it was obviously very relaxed. And so whatever it is that pulls you realize that that's what's important. And so Lee, thank you so much, because it is one of those things that's just really powerful if people are willing to give themselves a chance to picture. And it bypasses all of that chatter. It does. And you know, and I think sometimes it's so hard. I'll ask clients, well, what do you want? And I'll get this. <laughs> you know? And, and they, it's hard to say, 
but then you give them a you give them an old magazine and you say flip through there and pull out uh, you know two or three things that represent something that you want and boom they can do it you know it's it's easier to focus on in with it with an image now is that the only thing that you can do of course not i mean there's some fabulous guided meditations out there there are some you know so many things the app the phone brings us so many apps that we can use and one of my favorite is think i think it's think up it's think up i've had it so long i've forgotten the name but what it is is that you can go in and when i got it it was still a free app but you can go in and you can look at different types of affirmations i mean they've got famous people giving affirmations or that how to build a big and dollar business what to do for depression anxiety self-confidence self-esteem and you can open up that section and it'll show you just lists of affirmations and you can go in and you can pick the ones that you want you can pick the background music that plays behind it and what makes it so special is you record it in your own voice and when you play that and when the subconscious hears that in your own voice it's like brain whoa you know it it resonates not only on a conscious level but a subconscious level and i honestly believe in the power of affirmations I and mean, if you want to go tony robbins style we'll go incarnations but it's it, it's all the same thing how how do you much do you want to jack it up you know you said something really powerful there because it is when we hear it in our own voice reading it back to us that we bypass the filters there mm -hmm. is something so powerful in taking control of how we are feeding our brains we're in a day and an age where there's a lot of information about nutrition for our bodies and the concepts of nutritious movement that we were talking about earlier today, the power of nutritious mental food mm -hmm. and getting it in through the ears. Because like you said, the sense of smell is our powerful memory and our sense of hearing is I think one of the second, I think it's the second most powerful sense of how we actually interpret our world. And it's amazing that it's so simple. I'm delighted that there is an app for that. And it'll be something that we'll be playing with more and more. And I know that your gift of the visualization is a very powerful thing because it combines the hearing and the visual images in the brain. So we've got picturing we've got reading and recording and listening to affirmations that we can pick our own background music to i like that low-tech rocks for me that i don't have too many buttons to push yeah. what's the next one you know and this is the thing it sounds so simple just breathe <laughs> but it is so hard to get people to you know i'll go through and i'll because there's so many different you can YouTube videos, you can work on, watch on breathing. You know, should I do this? Should I do this? What comes naturally to you is what I, you know, what comes natural to you? If you want to do the four by four verse or, or whatever you want to do, do it. 
But I can't tell you, I'll have people in my office and I'll talk about breathing and that, you know, we all know that our optimal breath rate is between four and seven breaths a minute. When I'm talking to you, I'm probably taking 12 to 14 breaths a minute or else I can't spit all this out. And when you're taking real slow, deep breaths, you feel something down around your diaphragm, you know, and I'll actually have people exhale with me and then inhale with me. And then they'll come back. So did you practice your breathing? And no, <laughs> because it's hard work. It takes a lot of focus. And it, I mean, it, it truly is hard work. And one of the things that I have found that I can use to kind of get them to where they can breathe is some progressive muscle relaxation. I'll say, okay, sit across from me. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with the right arm and the right hand, then the left arm, the left hand, the right leg, the left leg, you know, the stomach, the chest, face, the neck. But what we're going to do is we're going to tense that really hard, so hard that you can feel that pressure Ooh. and hold it. All right. Just hold it. One, two, three. Now just gently release. Don't let go. Gently release. One, two, three. And then release. Ah, got it. So the first and release is a loosen up. It's and just so that... You can learn to tell the difference in that tightness and that gentle tension and no tension. Because once people understand that they can control that, that's such a simple example. But then they realize, you know what? I can change my breathing. I can slow down because if you change your breath rate, you'll change your heart rate. If you get those two to dance together, you'll create a little heart rate variability. And people with diabetes, people with all kinds of illness, this is a sign of health and wellness. I'm laughing because you said something and I'm like, I don't know if anybody else caught it, but I'm going to just call out the elephant in the room. Okay. Is you said something and you said, everybody knows. And I'm going, I didn't know that. Um, and, and so the elephant, and just in case it was somebody else, I did not know. I mean, I may have heard it somewhere, but I didn't remember or didn't know that the natural breath rate is four to seven breaths a minute. I am so sure that that's like, I'm going, I'm doing the math. I'm like, that's like more than 10 seconds per breath. And so that's a lot of slower breathing than is my normal rate of breathing. And I didn't realize that four to seven was an optimal rate. One breath every 10 seconds. That gives me a lot of time. And so the focus of that is going to be a practice. Um, I well, and the saving grace of that is, is you can take long exhales too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, you know, it's funny. I have a breathing practice and it just never dawned on me to count it as to how many breaths per minute. So that's something that is a simple thing to become aware of because Lord knows in this day and age with our cell phones, we can set a one minute timer. We can just see where our breathing is on that optimal scale. You know, and granted, we're not talking about how fast you breathe when you're talking like I am or when you're out walking or any of those kinds of things. But to pay attention to your breathing when you're resting. 
when you're trying to calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of times what we get anxious about or what we start ruminating about, that's got all of our attention. And if you can shift that attention and just shift it, okay, you know, I'm gonna breathe in and out. Okay, I quit worrying about whatever that was. I caught one of those little ants. And that's something that I really encourage people to do is we all have self-defeating thoughts and we all have negative thoughts. The problem is, is those little ants, they're so fast and furious, they blow through. We don't even know they were there, except all of a sudden I'm mad or I'm sad mm -hmm. or I'm irritable. And, you know, I always encourage people, stop and think about where'd that come from? And if you, you know, I've got two of my best friends, the shoulds and the musts, I should do that. I must do that. When I don't do it, what do I feel? Two more good friends, shame and blame. So I've caught that little should and I've changed that little should into a could. Well, I could do that. If I did that, well, this would happen. Okay. This would happen. And this would happen. Okay. Well, two out of three, I'll do it. So, but you have to check in with yourself. And where did that, you know, where did that negative thought come from? Um, are you all or nothing? If you, and a lot of us have this P problem, perfection. <laughs> And if you do, it's because of your thinking. It's all or nothing thinking because it's got to be perfect. And, you know, Jackie, I don't even live in that perfect world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the illusion of perfectionism ranks right up there with the illusion of control. If it's outside of my skin, it's not mine to control. Um, the beauty of this conversation Lee, is the ability to break down some really complicated things into very simple steps so beyond the simplicity of breathing and the power of turning your attention to your breath it's like the power of turning your attention to the images on a vision board or the power of turning your attention to the messages that you've read and recorded in your own voice, the positive messages. And that's really funny because it just clicked all of a sudden that one of my pet peeves was people who had designated ringtones on their cell phones for people they didn't want to talk to. Oh. And when I started catching my clients with this, so anybody listening, if you've got a designated ringtone to an eye roller, an eye roller, that person who, when you see their number on your phone, you roll your eyes back. Yeah. When you've got that as a designated ringtone, what you're doing is hitting right into your stress center, your amygdala every day when that person calls you. Every time that person calls, you're actually upping your stress chemicals in your body. So, one ringtone for everybody, unless it's somebody you really, really, really want to talk to. Create the positive reinforcement rather than the negative one using technology because it's a powerful tool. But anyway, so that just popped up for me as I'm going, oh yeah, things that we do on our phones. And I'm like, that ringtone thing bugs me. No, so 
But you know, that's, that's a good example of paying attention to the positive mm-hmm. instead of the negative. Don't, because it's what we pay attention to. Somebody cuts you off. How many times do you revisualize that in your mind during the day? Can you believe that? They just cut right in front of me. Then about an hour later, you're home and you're telling your family, do you want to hear what happened today? Can you believe that, you know, you've got to shift that attention from the negative. Oh, oh, not that call to the positive. That's a great way to do it. Simply, simply change the um, instruction manual for your phone so that special ringtones belong only to positive events. There you go. Yeah. And you know, you talk about a manual and a gift that I have for the VIPs is my book, Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. And it's and it almost is kind of like a manual because it talks about things like lifestyle choices. Hmm. Yeah, those are hard, you know, because it, what we eat, um, the guests before me or one or two before me made the point on hydration. The brain only weighs three pounds, but it's all water. And if you're not staying hydrated, how well do you think you're helping that brain work? You know, it, it's really an interesting way to be that simplest things make the biggest difference when we're talking about brain health. And we're talking about now, let's keep going on the trauma to treasure. Okay. Okay. Because there's a treasure at the end of this, Lee. What does a healthy brain allow us to do? What does it look like when it's functioning well? What What changes in somebody's life? Well, I think, you know, everything changes because when your brain is dysregulated, It affects everything you do and how well you do it. And you have zero confidence. With zero self, zero confidence, you've got that much self-esteem. And when your brain starts to work in in a more regulated manner, and a lot of the things that we've talked about today can help create regulation in the brain, instead of something happening, you go, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Do it. Okay, I gotta stop and think about this. Okay, this is what I'm gonna do, you know? So the way you behave, the way you treat other people in relationships, instead of, what'd you say? You know, instead of reacting, you, because your brain is calmer, you stop and you say, excuse me, did I hear you right? And you play it back and nine times out of 10, oh no, that's not what I meant, you know? I think that you're, you're and, one of the most important things is you're sleeping better. You've got to learn how to turn that brain off. And a lot of times, I mean, with the neural feedback and the neural modulation that I do here at the clinic, you we can teach that brain how to do it. But even you teach the brain how to do it, it'll it'll revert back. Says, oh, well, this is what I used to do in, in this situation. This is what I used to do. No, 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 no. Don't do that anymore. You know, and, and that's where I use when because I wake up in the middle of the night and that's where I'll use the visualization. I have a, a big sun that I'll visualize. It'll be up here and I'll visualize it to where it's setting. And when it's when it's gone, then the, the point is I'll go back to sleep. There Sometimes it works. Um <laughs> what the visualization you want it to be in alignment with the outcome you want right okay 
So that, that's actually pretty important because I'm thinking you can really um, confuse yourself if you don't understand this, that one simple step about making sure that your visualizations are in line with what you're looking to accomplish right then. Right. Yeah. Um, I love being able to pull my energy up. And so a setting sun is not going to pull my energy up unless I'm a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it's all going to be within context. It is. But I think, the, you know, the key to triumph is building your resilience and, and building your resilience. And, and that starts with what are your personal values? You know, what's important to you? Because if you focus on what's important to you, then you'll start to think about, okay, what's standing in the way between me and my personal values. What's going on in the outside world? Um, what are other are other people? How are they standing in the way? What is what's going on physiologically that's stopping me? You know, am I having headaches or am am I being aggressive with my behavior? Um, taking a really you know stop and thinking about what are my values. What are all the things? Because there's always something that's going to stand in the way. You know, people say, well, I can't, I can't do that today. Well, why not? Well, you know, I only got like seven hours of sleep. So because you got seven instead of eight hours of sleep, you can't do that today. <laughs> yeah, you can. And, and the people who are listening, I want, I want everyone to know, we're not talking about this being something wrong. We're talking about this being a habit. There's something broken around someone who had that a belief is in the way, whether it's a belief about how much sleep they got, or whether it's a belief about what's possible for them physically, or what's possible for them to create in their business. There's nothing wrong with you. If you have a limiting belief holding you back from getting what you want in your life, it makes you normal. We all have limiting beliefs. We all have these things that we picked up along the way. The key to go from being stuck and struggling with them is learning some of these simple things that we're talking about. So the ability to take control and to visualize and to stimulate yourself, keeping in mind what you really want is really important. And I love this conversation, Lee. When you were talking about your manual, the, the book you wrote about turning your brain on, what I don't know if it's true, so I'll let you weigh in, but I read somewhere that our brain has less activity happening in it when we're watching TV than it does when we're asleep. Well, it's interesting. There's a chapter in that book and we'll put that out there as a little teaser. Uh, does TV rot the brain, you know? And uh -huh. it, all right. But a big part of that is when you're watching TV, you're not up and moving and the brain needs movement. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. So it might not be just what's on the screen impacting your brain. It's the fact that you're sitting still that you're sitting still, you know, if when you're just sitting there watching TV, how much blood flow do you think you have going in those front, frontal lobes? You don't have a lot of blood flow. So how much oxygen do you think you have going? 
You know, if you're up, if you're out, if you get up, you go take a walk, you get the blood flowing, you get more oxygen in the brain. Then, oh my goodness, those little neurons, they decide they're going to start talking to each other. They're going to start firing together and wiring together. So the lifestyle choices, how much TV, how much social media, uh, you know, heart, how much alcohol, how we all have our vices and everybody has one, but you need to know what it is and really manage it. And you know, the, the most important thing, the reason I, I wrote that book is because everybody needs to know it is okay to not be okay. There are times then, you know, in our life, I mean, when I, that we're not going to be okay. It's just, if you live, if you live life, you're going to have emotional trauma. If you've been alive and kicking in 2020, you've been stressed out. And we've certainly had plenty of invitations to drama. <laughs> we get handed invitations to drama every single day. And the ability to be okay with that is yeah. just lovely. You know, so I'm going to have Katie drop the link to your gift in here. The uh, wonderful thing about this is they're going straight to your website and there's a pop-up box that they can put their information in, which is really, really cool because this is super simple and it's a visualization. And so we, since we can't do visualization and guided imagery on a live show, because we never know who's going to be driving when they're listening to us. Absolutely. So for anybody listening to the recording, the link is going to be in the show notes. And so you'll be able to get it. And that's important to me to make sure they have access. So let's see. The power of this conversation for me is going to be in this concept that if you paid attention to your day, you have three times more positive events than negative events. And I think it's worth keeping score. I, think I definitely think it's worth keeping score. And how do you keep score, Jack? You write it down, right? Oh, you, you journal it. I mean, and, and two words come to mind at the end of every day for me, grateful and thankful. And when I look back at the end of my day, what am I grateful for? And what am I thankful for? And some days it's the same thing as it was yesterday. And even the day before that. But it doesn't matter. You know, I'm keeping score and I'm focusing on the positive, on what's important. So I second your emotion on that. There we go. That was a great song. If you feel like loving me, if you've got the notion, I second, second that emotion. <laughs> so the emotions that you want second helpings of are, are also part of this conversation about brain health because the brain will absolutely get the message if you start paying attention to what you want more of. Right. Sometimes but you got to be looking for it. You've got to be looking for it. It's not going to come up and... Hey, Lee, happy's over here, you know? And this is my mom when I was growing up. My mom would say this, honey, you can reach in that drawer and you can pull out happy or you can pull out sad. That's up to you. And 
and you really can, you know, it's hard some days. It's hard. Some days it's really easy to reach in there and try to grab that sad or even worse, that mad, that anger. Um, but it's your choice. Well, always. And, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, that's the book that we wrote for the first thing that we did for the Teen Suicide Prevention Society was the Make It a Great Day, The Choice is Yours, that book, which is still up on Amazon. But what I was thinking of was I just realized what the gap was for me. And the gap for me with a vision board is a vision board is about things that I don't have yet, but that I want. And the gap for me is this piece we were just talking about that we just filled in, which is so lovely, which is this, the positive things that are happening in your life already that you want more of. I think that this is a piece that's absolutely missing from most conversations around positive affirmations, around vision boards, around everything that is forward thinking. And I'm going, what about the present moment? What's so good about right now? And I think that this is where the focus has to come back to because when we are totally present and happy with the positive stuff currently in our lives, it's a whole lot easier to draw a map from where I am to where I want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is just a pin in the map that was missing for me until we had this conversation. So thank you. What a wonderful gift I feel like I've received. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and you know, you gave me a gift. Having fun is so important. And, you know, when you started singing, I'm like, oh, I know that song. But <laughs> you've got you've to put some fun in there and, and you've got to trust in yourself. And maybe we're the only two people that knew that song. And the other people are like, I don't know what they're talking about. Did you enjoy it? Well, I, I love to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It, it's a lot of fun. And we do a lot of singing on this show, as a matter of fact. I think that I'm going to make a show note and then we're going to have the speakers tell us what their favorite songs is before. <laughs> yeah, from now on, we're going to get that information because fun is the brain's natural reward system for learning something new. And if you've ever watched kids play, you can see it in action. And as adults, we kind of get it trained out of us. I really think this is like traumatic for almost all of us is when somebody tells us to stop having fun and to go to work, whether it's schoolwork or whether it's you know out for pay as an adult. What if we got all of that growing up stuff wrong and we're not supposed to grow out of play, we're supposed to grow into play? And we have more fun. What do you think? Wait, I think that is a great way to look at it because, you know, the, the reality is when something happens, there are two things that you can do. You can laugh about it or you can cry about it. And you've got to, and by the time you stop and you really look at the situation and you really break it down, you're going to start laughing about it. And then you realize, you know, when's, when's such a big deal? It didn't take me down. Oh my gosh, was I silly? Oh my gosh, yes I was. But then you can, if you can giggle and giggle at yourself, you know, I used to have this, I used to have Pickle, my, and I called her my goofy girl. She, I would take that dog for a walk and she would make me giggle 
I mean, goofy girl. So the beauty is in the simple. And, and I was, what are you looking for? And what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to laugh about it? Sometimes, you know, you just got to scratch your head. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for bringing more laughter and more fun onto the show, Lee. I really, really appreciate it a great deal. Because fun is, I think, the absolute necessary ingredient. It's the bottom line suicide prevention tool. It's absolutely. Are you having fun? And I'm not talking about pretending to be happy because anybody who's ever been touched by depression knows how to pretend to be happy, knows how to game the community and everything is good with me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about fun. I'm talking about that natural reward system in the brain and whether you get there by dancing, by singing, or by celebrating something goofy, like your goofy girl, I don't care. I think that it's the one thing to pay more attention to as you're starting to pay attention to all of these other things we've been talking about, whether it's what you're looking at, is it inspiring you, creating a vision board, doing a visualization, doing the affirmations, all of these things you're starting to pay attention to. How many positive things have happened today that you want more of? I mean, we've got quite a list from our conversation. Ask the question, where did I have fun today at the end of the day? And how can I do more of that tomorrow? So thank you, Lee, for bringing that in because it was not part of my conversation until just now. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to. Yeah. <sighs> All right. We will be back. Stay right where you are because the ride gets more interesting from here. <laughs>